Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. It's something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I'm excited to be joined today by Justin Lustig. He's the assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and outside receivers coach for Syracuse. Coach, great to have you here, and thank you for taking the time. Yeah, fired up, have me on, and excited to talk with you. So, Coach, you know, we were talking a little bit before about the challenges we're faced with at this time and, you know, the shutdown and everything. And, you know, I was just wondering, you know, what what's your approach to this and what have you found to be, I guess, most useful for yourself as a coach and I guess also as, you know, a, as a dad and a husband as well? Yeah, and I, well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That was when the when you said that. The first thing I, I thought of was my family, and what a cool opportunity to spend more time. I, I, we've got two boys, my wife and I, that are 12 and 15, just had birthdays, and awesome time to spend with them. And you know, we've been trying to kind of do a little academic piece with them every day, and an athletic piece. And you know, I ran with our oldest son this morning, and 
got to play some basketball with our youngest son. So it's been awesome to stay home. And then I think from a football side, just, yeah, great opportunity to improve yourself. And I, I guess the way I'm looking at that is I'm trying to read a lot. I enjoy reading quite a bit. So I'm on a book right now and then watching a lot of recruiting film. Like I'd mentioned to you earlier, I think this recruiting class, the 2021 recruiting class most, might be the most scrutinized recruiting class of all time, because I think we all have a ton of time to watch a, extra recruiting film and, and and that's what we're trying to do right now you know being at home and then and then really the third thing would be just you know getting into the x's and o's and, and seeing how we can be better coaches and, and right now what i'm doing is trying to just put a list of projects together that if this thing goes on for for months or or, or more weeks that i've kind of got a plan on things that i can accomplish and then also with some of our younger coaches i can give them some projects to to work on yeah, I think that's a great idea and the opportunity. But I, I, I think you hit something on the head there at the beginning. Like probably the most important thing for all of us right now is is to make sure we're taking care of our, our families. I know, especially for the kids, there's there's a lot of apprehension, even anxiety over what's going on and what's going to happen, and you know some. Uh, some worry about things that they may miss out on. Like I have a daughter who's a senior and, you know, she's worried about prom. Uh, she's sure. worried about, are they going to let us go through graduation ceremony? You know, the things that t- kids typically look forward to. So uh, take care of your families first. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I, you know, the one thing on a lighter note too, is I'm, I'm kind of enjoying, I, usually we have some restrictions in our family on, uh, on video game usage, and I've lifted some of those restrictions so that I can hone <laughs> my uh, PlayStation skills. So I've been uh, actually Xbox is what we've been playing, but some 2K and some football, you know, and, and playing like the the Madden. Man, you you can learn a lot of football playing the video game, and I I haven't done that in a long time. And they, they they've got a lot of plays on there that are uh, are, uh, are are currently being used. So that that's kind of a neat thing for me is just kind of getting back to my video game playing days. Yeah, it was so cool. I've, I I play every now and then with my son, and uh, he likes beating me now uh, just because I'm not as adept at using those controllers as he is. Like, yeah. you know, I'll hit the wrong button <laughs> right. and throw an interception. Um, but, you know, to see, it's exactly like you said, the, the plays in there when you go through it, and I watch a lot of NFL games, and most of it is actually, I watch it on the... Uh, the NFL game pass so the coaches film and it's like man this is exactly their playbook like they just ran this play this week so that part's pretty cool I know when I first started playing and, and my son was probably or playing with my son that game he was maybe seven years old and he was good at it you know again still better with all the buttons and everything but he'd get bad at yep. me and not play he'd always say you're using football against me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. Well, the thing I always get frustrated with is like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call a certain play, a certain screen into a certain blitz that my son runs. And I'm like, this is the perfect call and it doesn't work. Right. And I get so frustrated and I'm like telling my, my son, Henry, like this play should really work against the defense you ran. This is bull crap. You know? <laughs> exactly. Well, he uses stick against me now. I taught him that a long time ago. I'm like, it just, it yeah. works against everything. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There you go. Well, coach, um, Again, I appreciate you taking the time and, and 
before we get into some of these questions, I'm really appreciative, first of all, that our, our listeners are, are taking time to ask us some questions here, and it certainly has provided some good conversations for the coaches I've talked to, but I want our listeners to learn a little bit about you and your your background and really, um, you know, starting with the, you know, what, what inspired you to be a football coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting how everybody's story is a little bit different. Um, so I played, I played college football at Bucknell University, and um, I really loved my coaches there. My, my head coach was a guy named Tom Gadd, who, you know, maybe some of the listeners may have, may have heard of his name, but he was, he was a defensive coordinator, defensive guy, was defensive coordinator in Minnesota, was defensive coordinator in South Carolina, and, um, and then actually got brain cancer about a year after I graduated and passed away. But I had some great, great mentors at, at Bucknell, and, and there's a long list of guys and guys I still stay in contact with. Dave Katolsky was a longtime defensive coordinator. He's currently at Mercyhurst, but he's been at Stanford and Vanderbilt, and he was my defensive coordinator. My position coach was a guy named Dave Legg, who's, who's currently at, uh, at Del- Delaware. And you know, Derek Mason was there. Joe Lombardi, who's with the Saints. We had a, we had a really an all-star uh, cast of coaches, Dave Warner, who was recently at Michigan State was our our quarterbacks coach and and a long list of great guys and I think just being around those guys and having success in college I just learned to really love the game of football and learned to to see what the coaching side was about so anyway I I never thought I was going to coach until my senior year of college and and my position coach ended up taking a coordinator job at a division three school and he offered me a job and I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a, a chance. I was, it was either that or a job at Dick's, believe it or not. So I, I got a job as like a, a buyer at Dick's, and I interviewed a couple times with Dick's Corporation. And I came home one night and told my dad, you know, I think I'm gonna work at Dick's. I'm gonna take this job as a buyer for Dick's. And he said to me, you're gonna sell clothes for a living. And I said, well, he <laughs> made me feel bad about it. So. I'm like, well, maybe I'll give this coaching thing a chance. So I ended up doing a coaching thing. And then from day one, just completely fell in love with it. From there, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your start there, growing as a coach. I mean, maybe a, you know, something important you learned that really has become a big part of who you are now as a coach. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, every step along the way, and again, going back to, you know, I mentioned my college coaches, but even going back to my grade school coaches and my high school coach, you just pick up stuff all along the way that kind of you continues to mold you along the way. And, you know, I'll go back to Minna George was my head coach at Cathedral Prep in Erie, Pennsylvania, and was kind of a legendary coach there. And, and he was all about repetition, man. We ran student body right and student body left probably a million times from my sophomore to, to senior year in practice and games. I mean, that's all we did. And everyone knew what was coming. And so just learning the value of repetition and, and toughness from him. And then all on the way, just, just learning things from all these great people that I've, I've gotten the chance to be around from Andy Talley at Villanova, being a professional and, and treating people the right way. Bob Spoo at Eastern Illinois, learned a ton from him, Ricky Bustle at Louisiana Lafayette. And then, you know, and then I think the other thing is, is like, it's been really cool how, you know, you're, you're 40 years old and you get a job at Syracuse and you think, you know, a lot. And then all of a sudden it's this completely new system that, that coach Babers runs and a completely different way of, of operating and how to do things. And, you know, and man, just, I've learned so much in the last three years here on, on doing things different than other people have done them. And I think that's probably my 
biggest lesson I've learned over the years is that um, I, I throw out this big word to our players often, and I don't know if anybody's heard it, but I, I, I learned it when I was in grad school, and it was, it's called equifinality. And basically what equifinality means is if you have a problem, basically there's an infinite amount of ways to, to solve that problem. And I think that's what football is all about is you can win the national championship with a spread offense. You can win the national championship with old school eye formation. You can win games doing a lot of different things. You just got to really be bought into whatever you choose to do and have a plan. And and I think that's what I've learned over the years is that the importance of, hey, there's all these great coaches, but they, they, they believe in what they do. The great ones know what they believe. They believe in it. They have a system for it and uh, they stick with it. So it's, it's been, it's been an awesome journey over the years. And like I said, it, it, I've had awesome stops where I've learned, learned a lot. I, I taught English for 10 years and I never heard that word. So thank you for sharing it for me. I think we're going to make it the title of, of your podcast as well. <laughs> well, hey, you know, it might have been my professor making that word up or something, <laughs> but, uh, but I've always remembered it. It always just stuck with me. And I, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. That's pretty cool. I guess any tips along the way, you know, you, you have been at a number of places you've, you know, worked in a, a number of roles that gave you, you know, the leadership responsibilities. Uh, you've even been, you know, head coach 2016 at Edinburgh. So it seems like in not just learning the different ways, but having the flexibility to be open to those approaches. What what tips do you have for coaches who are faced with those kinds of challenges where you do go into a new situation and it's maybe a lot different than you've ever done before? Yeah, I think the the first thing is is don't don't be intimidated, you know, and and because um, I've oftentimes, especially earlier in my career, you know, oh man, I got to coach a new position or you know move across the country, and I think uh, I know it's kind of a cliche, but the more you can put yourself out of your comfort zone, the more you're going to grow and get better, you know. And I think that's that I tell my wife that all the time with our our, our sons is like we need to we need to push them out of their comfort zone and make them do hard things. And I think the more you do hard things, the better you're going to get. And, and, and that's been certainly the case for me. And I've been super fortunate here with coach Babers, you know, he's given me, I initially started with the running backs in his offense and then now I'm working with the receivers and, and it's really been the last, you know, this is going my third year coaching the receivers, but this is the first time I've ever coached the receivers. And that was a huge learning curve, but, but I, you know, it's, it's made me so much better to see things from a different lens. And then the second piece for me is I, I also played defense in my first half of my career. I coached defense. So I've coached both sides of the ball and I would highly recommend that for guys that haven't had the opportunity to do that and, and may have that opportunity down the road. If you can uh, experience both sides of the ball, what a, what a huge advantage that is to be able to sit in the offensive room with a bunch of offensive coaches and, and, you know, put on the defensive lens and say, okay, well, here's kind of how they're looking at us and, and here's how they're good. They may attack us. And uh, I think that's invaluable. So coach, we're going to get into these questions now. And like I said, I'm really appreciative to our listeners that they're sending these in and I may hire Matt Drinkle as my official question writer. Like he's, <laughs> he's just been firing away. Uh, Matt Drinkle, the tenants coach at army, and so his first question is, what did you learn from being a head coach that made you a better assistant? That's a great question. And Drinkle, what's up? I hope you're listening. He and I met years ago, believe it or not, at 
at Coach Bielema's Wisconsin camp. That was back in the day when there were overnight camps and, you know, a bunch of younger college coaches and high school coaches would go work the camp and get paid actually for it. But Coach Drinkle and I were, uh, were at that camp together and, and, and got to know each other. And he's a great guy and I really enjoyed watching his career and all the success he's had. But to answer his question, what I've learned is how important it is to buy in to whatever your head coach's philosophy is and culture is. And I think that's so important. And I think you get sometimes caught up in wanting to just be the head coach of your position and be the head coach of your unit. And sometimes you lose sight of the big picture. And I think that's, that's helped me quite a bit, you know, now coming to Syracuse, an example of that would be coaching special teams. Yes. I want our special teams to be the best in the country and I want us to dominate and, Uh, I'd love to use all the best players on all those units, but I also can step back and see, okay, in order for our linebackers to be fresh, they may not be able to be on three or four special teams and it might be better for the team that we might not be as good on kickoff, but the having those linebackers being fresh is going to be really, really important. And I think just having that big picture lens as a head coach, that's probably the number one thing. And I think it relates to all kinds of different things from recruiting to you know, like like I mentioned, the special teams. So that'd be my answer to that question. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I know having made that transition, you know, as a high school head coach for eight years and then transitioned to being a position coach at the college level and having that perspective, the big picture perspective, but also once you've been there, you kind of understand better what that head coach is going through. You know, it's a lot different at the top. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that you as a head coach, sometimes don't even involve your assistants in. And so, you know, I guess the, the empathy, I guess, is, is what helps you, I think, better do your job and, and help the head coach advance things and build that culture. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like I find myself saying that so much more than I used to, you know, whether it's to other guys and other assistants that I'm working with, or even just to my wife when I come home, just, man, Coach Baber's got a lot on his plate, or, man, I can completely see how, you know, how this is going to be tough for him and you just you just it can empathize with him i think empathy is a great word and that certainly has it helps you be a better assistant though mm-hmm, definitely so matt has a another question here how do you find the right fit offensively when deciding what to run at a school yeah i think that that's super important and you know at enbro we um we took over a program that was 0-11 and then we went nine and two in our first year. And I think that was, you know, I get the question all the time is how do you, how did you make that turnaround? And one of the things was offensively, um, Chris Limbach, our offensive coordinator, who's, who's now the offensive coordinator at Valparaiso, but he did a great job. And, and, and I think we did a great job of fitting our, our scheme to our personnel. When we got to Enbro, they had a quarterback who was playing under center and he was about a five eleven quarterback and he was playing under center and, and, you know, that was not working for them. And we went to more of a spread RPO system and allowing him to get the ball out fast and create some bigger throwing lanes for him. And, and that's certainly helped us a lot. So it's, that's a fine line, I think too, though, in, in, in coaching though, because you, you know, I I'll go back to my equifinality deal and, and how you got to have a system, right? You have to have a, a system that you believe in, but yet you got to balance the fact that you might have players that are, are, are very talented in certain areas that don't fit your system. And now you got to tweak that system. I think that's 
one of the keys to coaching is putting your players in the best position to be successful. And I think at Edinburgh we did that, and, and that was that was super valuable for us. And I think again that you got to be able to just step back and, and look at your players and really make things a little a lot simpler and say, hey, what what is this guy good at? What is he bad at? And, and let's make sure that we're stressing the things that he's good at and and trying to disguise or or you know protect him from the things he's bad at. Right. So if uh, anybody out there follows Coach Drinkle, you know that you're always going to get some questions out of left field. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this one. He right. he wants to know <laughs> who's better looking, me, meaning <laughs> Matt, or running backs coach Mike Lynch? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that goes back to that Wisconsin camp too. So, so uh, Mike Lynch and I are, were assistant coaches at Eastern Illinois at the time. And I, I can't remember where Drinkle was. I think he was just starting his coaching career uh, out in Iowa. And, uh, and, and we hung out a bunch at that camp. So that's where that question's coming from. And I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know what, I'm going to go with Mike Lynch on that just to, to, to get a Drinkle a little bit, you know, his, his beard's getting a little wooly there and, uh, Lynch is staying clean cut. So, uh, I'm going with Mike Lynch and he's, uh, he's on my, our staff right now. So, uh, so Coach Lynch, you, you got him. I, I'll have to send you a, a little meme that I, I, I made for Coach Drinkle this morning. Uh, he, had, he had a picture. It was like Derek Zoolander, but with a beard. And I, I sent it sent him <laughs> it, side by side. It said it's Blue Steel with a beard. So That's awesome. <laughs> his last question is, I think, a really good one. Something you learned from Coach Spoo that younger coaches need to know. Yeah, wow. That's a good question. Coach Boo is awesome. I mean, man, what a what a great mentor. This is kind of a cool story too. To talk about my connections, and this is good for younger coaches too, and just how important it is that you're just doing the best that you can at whatever job you're at, and how it's going to help you down the road, and the connections that you make. You know, I got my first coach, my first Division One coaching job with Coach Boo, and I believe it was in 2005. And at the time, Coach Spoo was in about 70 years old. And I was the, the running backs coach and special teams coordinator for Bob Spoo. And believe it or not, Dino Baber's first full-time job was coaching the running backs and special teams for Bob Spoo at Eastern Illinois. Now, this was, you know, 15 years prior to when I was there. But we both had the same first full-times, both jobs working for the same guy. And, and that was kind of a cool connection and helped me, uh, you know, get the job here at Syracuse but coach Boo taught us a lot and it's hard to pick one thing a couple things I, I would throw out there is number one he taught me how to be consistent you know he was just day in and day out the same guy and just in terms of how he held everybody accountable and how he expected everyone to act as coaches in the office and outside the office and on the practice field and was just a very very consistent message on to the players and to the staff on what he expected out of you as a, as a coach and as a player. And I think that's super, super important. And then, um, you know, the other thing that I would say about coach Spoo is just a great person and a great family guy. Um, a cool story about coach Spoo when I first got hired, um, my mother came up to help us move in. My wife and I had, had just gotten married, had a young, young son at the time. And my mom came up to help us move in and, and coach Spoo found out that she was coming up and, 
and wanted to take us all out to dinner. And I just thought that was a cool thing. And, and he, he took us all out and actually took us to a Chinese buffet, but it was, uh, it was awesome. That's like one of the better restaurants in Charleston, Illinois. Um, but uh, great family guy, person that really cared about you on and off the field. And I think that made all his coaches and his players work harder for him and, and be loyal to him. Our next question comes from Coach Trevor Suffall, who is the tight ends coach and special teams coordinator at Bixby High School in Bixby, Oklahoma. And he wanted to know, how do you balance being a position coach as well as a special teams coordinator? Yeah, that's difficult, um, you know, especially during the season. I think it's, it's just a grind during the season doing both things. You know, number one is having great younger assistants, you know, at this level with the quality control guys. And your GAs, um, I'm blessed to have some really great guys. You know, our, our quality control guy with the receivers is a guy named David Geddes, who um, played in the NFL for a number of years as a receiver and was a great player for Coach Babers at Baylor. And um, we've also got a guy named Jeff Leepak, who's also a quality control for us in the past game, who was last year was the uh, receivers and special teams coach at McNeese State. Um, and then Blair Cavanaugh is, is uh, a guy that helps us on special teams and does a great job too. So those guys make my job a hundred times easier. And it's, it's crazy. Cause it's like the higher you get, you know, you have so much more help, you know, when I was at Eastern Illinois and uh, some of the smaller schools, it was a lot harder to do it, you know, just because you don't have the, the, the man, uh, the man hours. Um, so that's the number one thing. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, just being really detailed in the off season with your plan and what your system is, what the, what are the drills that you are going to hang your hat on? Um, and what are, you know, what are the answers to all the, the problems that you have within your system? If you have that done and you have it figured out during the, the off season, it's just going to make, you know, the season that much easier. And I, I think the older I've gotten, the simpler we've gotten on special teams. And that, that's helped a lot too. You know, like I, I feel like the simpler we are, the more I can have answers to everything. I know what's going to give us problems and um, I can kind of minimize some of the looks that we're going to get too. So that, that certainly helps. And then, you know, just being proactive and making sure that you're scripting all of your practices, you know, like I said, in the summer and getting all that done before camp starts is going to help you quite a bit um, so that you can maybe concentrate on your, on your position. If you get all the special team scripting done, then now you can concentrate a little bit more on your uh, position group. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Handling a lot of that stuff stuff up front before the season is key, and finding that person who could help you, I think, is is huge as well. And when I was at BW, we divided up. Um, we had somebody who served as a special teams coordinator, but then each coach had a unit as well. I know I had the kick return uh, for all the time I was there, and um, you know I could think back. One of my best guys was a student assistant. And uh, he had played played for us. He had some, you know, a semester left to go to school still. So he was a student assistant for that year. But, you know, knowing a little bit, having played the unit, he did such a good job for me and just breaking things down, letting me know. He knew the key things I wanted to look for. And, I mean, he took about an hour to two hours of work off of me a week. With But I had to, I had to give him that trust. And you talk about a kid, you know, again, he, he really owned it. He did a great job. In fact, now he is... Uh, the special teams uh, quality control coach at Ball State University. But, you know, when I think about it, and we started talking about, you know, um, playing playing Madden and games like that, like there are kids 
who don't play football, maybe used to play football, and I'm thinking at the high school level, you know, they they would love an opportunity like that. Maybe they can't give you everything you need, but they could handle um, some very easy things for you and, and be a part of the program in that way. And I'm seeing more and more high schools out there using kids in the school to be a part of the program outside of what, you know, you know, growing up we used to see, which was water boys and, and guys who pick up the equipment, like utilizing some kids with some smarts. I mean, there's, there's high schools now that have these guys in a math class, like a whole analytics department almost working for them. It's really cool. You know, if you think outside the box, what you can do today to find that help. I know even adult wise, there's, there's people who have coached before in your area. I'm sure I know I am I call myself the GA for our local high school. I, I break down opponent defenses and put together a, a scouting report for them. So, you know, it's uh, maybe looking for those people. I think they're there because football's a, you know, this football is a high demand in high demand as far as the jobs. I mean, anytime you post a job in college football, you're going to get a hundred plus applications for that position like tomorrow. So, those people are out there for you. I think you just have to be able to understand what you want, be organized, and, and be able then to uh, let them do the job for you. No doubt. I just um, We just got done watching. I uh, made our sons. They had never seen. Remember the Titans, and there's a scene in that where Herman Boone, they're in the playoffs, and Herman Boone's the head coach at T.C. Williams, and he goes – he uh, he's comes into like a staff meeting and he hands his defensive coordinator this big folder. And he basically went to the math teacher at the school and the math teacher did all this analytics to help them, uh, you know, win a game. And yeah, I think you, you bring up awesome points. And I think I go back to my time at Ball State and we had a student assistant there named Daniel Hill. Great kid. He's, he's now coaching a D3 school in, uh, in Georgia, but he, um, he was a high school kid that, you know, was a high school offensive lineman and he weighed, you know, six foot, 200 pound high school offensive lineman was never going to play football at ball state, but wanted to love football and wanted to be involved and was just constantly hanging around. And he started in the equipment room and he kept hanging around and wanted to coach. And, you know, we, uh, we ended up training him. And I think this is, the, this is one thing I want to just mention is it's worth the, it's worth the time to train those young guys too, because if you, if you have the time to, you can find time to train a young a student or a, you know, student in college or a student in high school. If you can train them and, and find time, your time is going to get rewarded on the back end you know, times 10. Because like you said, those, those guys are going to just save so much work for you. And, and Daniel was that way. He didn't know anything at first, but we trained him. We showed him, started getting him to do different projects, and he got better and better and better. And by his senior year of college, I mean, it was like having another assistant on the field. Yeah, it's it's that creativity. And again, you know, people want to be a part of it. And so if you can, I guess, uh, be willing yeah. to, to step away and, and uh, give up some of the control, I think it's going to make you better. So our, our next questions, I'm going to put these two together. Coach Crataro, who's at King William High School in Virginia, and John Weaver, who's at uh, MRA, uh, have a question about everyday drills. So I'll kind of group this together um do you have some daily drills that use in every indie period or do all drills vary based on need opponent each day yeah no it's a great question and and my philosophy on that and i feel very strongly on this is you know the the edd drills the everyday drills are are really important and um like we we talk to our players all the time about not getting bored with the drills because 
we're going to do the same stuff over and over and over again so that you don't have to think about it. You get really good at it. And, um, you know, there's a Bruce Lee quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's, I fear not the man who practices 10,000 kicks one time, but I fear the man who ki- who practices one kick 10,000 times. And I, and I really believe in that. And so, so from a wide receiver perspective, you know, Coach Baber's big thing is we got to do three things as a receiver. We got to be able to catch the ball. We got to be able to block and we got to be able to get off of press coverage. And so our EDD drills, our everyday drills are going to revolve around those three things. And we got, you know, um, obviously a core of drills in those three areas that we're going to work every single day. Um, and then special teams, it's the same thing. It's, you know, on punt, we've got a, a coverage drill that we do every day. You know, we call it the merry-go-round drill, just a, a leverage drill. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to have, you know, different drills for each unit, punt return that are, are, are things that we do over and over again. And we're not going to tweak them much. You know, they're not going to be, you might have a little variation of those drills, but it's going to be the same thing over and over again. And, and my thing is I want to go back and, and, and see, okay, you know, our receivers did this press release drill, you know, number 80 got it, you know, a hundred times during camp. And I think if he does the thing a hundred times over and over again, he's going to get good at it. Just, just like I said, going back to that Bruce Lee thing. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of specific drills, I think I could speak for, you know, hours if I just got into all the drills, but you know, those drills are important. And I, to me, if you, you just pick the ones that you love and, and then also like the ones that show up on game film, right? Like uh, if your drills not showing up on game film, if you can't put a cut up together, where your your drills you you show your drills in a meeting and then you show them happening in a game. If you can't do that, then you got to find other drills. And um, I think or, earlier on in my career, I would I would you know when I was first starting out, you know you you go online and you find these really cool drills and you want to try all these different things. And all of a sudden, you know you're doing a bunch of different drills, but maybe half of them aren't showing up on your game tape. So you know, find the ones that you, that you like that, that are that you think are good and, and make sure those are showing up on your game tape. Yeah. I think that's the key. And I used to, when I first started writing for USA football, this is when I was still coaching at, at BW and then at Oberlin college, I wrote a column that was just called when it happens on film. And that was the whole basis of it, that here's the drill. And then here's where it happens in the game. Right. And you, you want to create those drills that, uh, give them the most game-like environment because well, why don't we just run team all the time? Well, there's a lot of moving parts in team. Things from we don't want to get guys rolled up on, we want to take contact off of them, and just the fact that because there are 22 players, it's not as efficient as taking a small little piece of that scenario that affects the player you're talking about and creating that picture for him and being able to get more reps in it. But ultimately, you know, you don't need that 800 play drill book. You don't need to go out online and find a million drills. You you almost need to reverse engineer the plays you're going to run and the situations that are going to occur and the different things that a defense is going to do and say, here's our set of drills. Oh, I agree with that 100%. I think the reverse engineering thing hits me for sure. Like even at Ball State, like I had, we had a, a really good running back who was the all-time leading rusher at Ball State. His name is Juwan Edwards. And he was just natural at some things. And, you know, I would watch his game tape and I kept seeing him kind of use this like side flipper where he dipped down and protect his legs with like a forearm. And, 
I'm like, you know what, let's start drilling that and teaching the other guys because he's doing a really good job of it. And uh, maybe it can help our other players, too. And I think the whole the reverse engineering idea is, is, is really cool. And, you know, seeing what your guys are good at or and, and let's let's expand on this and, and get really, really good at it. Yeah, it's some of the, the, the ball state connection here is is huge. I had a, a player uh, who was a four year starter at Ball State. He was there before you. But, you know, we put in uh, for him. Basically, he had a tremendous skill set as a, a running back. And so his junior year, we put in. Zone offense. We ran the you know the stretch in the inside zone, and from studying him after that first year, we noticed like wow, there's some things this kid's done does that's really successful. And we had a a freshman at the time coming up behind him who also ended up at Ball State, and and that really became the set of drills that we used. And it, it was that whole reverse engineering. And, and the cool part is, you know, we're asking the kid, so what are you doing there? How do you set that up? What are you seeing? Why do you do that? Uh, sometimes it's it's good to go back to your players because they give you some clarity on exactly what's happening in their heads as they're being forced to make decisions or make a certain move. No doubt. No doubt. No. And that's, I mean, we could talk for days on that. that, that you know, Jawan Edwards, same guy at Ball State. You know, we would always had taught zone. You're reading the first covered lineman play side, inside zone, right, from the center out. A lot of people do that. And um, the one day he says to me, you know, Coach, I, I really don't look at him. I feel him, and I look at the linebackers. And I thought that was a really cool thing for the for running backs running zone, and we, we used that for a long time. And I learned it from him, you know, reverse engineering, asking him questions. What are you really looking at? Are you really looking at what I'm telling you to look at? Um, and, he, and that was his answer. I feel the – I feel the down linemen and I see the linebackers on zone. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that's a really cool thing. Yeah, and, and to reinforce the point, you, you don't need to create a lot of these. You know, I, I sat in quarterback collective, Mike LaFleur, listening to him talk about what they do with the 49ers. And he says, I use five drills. That's it. Five drills all year long with my quarterbacks. And, you know, really hit home is, you know, because you see – guys out there putting volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four of all these drill books and throw it out. You need about maybe five pages from that whole thing. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how are the kids really going to get good at anything if, if they're not doing it over and over again? And, you know, that, I think that's, that's key. Limit, limit the drills and just find the ones that you love. Our last question comes from Scoop Reed from Hazlitt, Texas. And an interesting one here says rank these three skills for wide receiver run blocking separation pass catching well i mean i think you know obviously if you're matt drinkle you might you might you know you might rank blocking number one um in our offense blocking is very important and you're not going to play if you don't block because you know you're going to have to block in the perimeter for screens and and different things but i i think going back catching is you got to be able to catch the ball, you know, and if you're playing receiver, you're out there to, to catch the ball. And if you can't do that, you're, you can't play. So I would rank that number one. And then I think it'd be hard, the separation and the run blocking, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I'm not going to give a, a great answer there, but I'm going to put those kind of side by side and put the catching above and put the next two side by side based on, on what your offense is. And coach, then my last question for you is, you know, talking about you brought some great points up today, all kinds of great points. I'm going to have to go back and take notes on some of the things you said here. But all the things you do as a coach, what would be the one thing you say 
that you do that really gives your guys the winning edge? I would say keeping it simple, you know, keeping it simple and, and, and making sure that the players have a consistent message of what is expected of them and a consistent, consistent messageable that's also attainable, right? Like, okay, the, this is clearly what we want from practice. This is clearly how we want to do these drills. This is clearly what we want out of your first step on punt. And I think, you know, that over the years, I've gotten a lot better at that and just making it really, really simple for the guys and having it very, very clear on what to do, what's the exact thing that we want them to do. And I know that's kind of a generic answer, but that's, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Well, Coach, for our listeners out there, what areas of the country do you recruit? Yeah, I've got, I've got uh, Ontario and Canada, the province of Ontario. I've got Western New York, so basically from Syracuse all the way to Buffalo, and then Western Pennsylvania, and then Tampa area of Florida, and then also have Ohio. And follow Coach on Twitter. It's at Coach Lustig. That's L-U-S-T-I-G. Coach, is there any other contact information you'd like to share, especially for those coaches in your areas? No, they can they can DM me on Twitter. That's probably the best way to do it. Or, you know, you can look up my email on our, our, our website at Cuse.com. Coach, thanks for taking the time here, and you know, best of luck to you and Syracuse whenever you're able to, to get back after it here. I appreciate it, Keith. Hey, I got an idea for you, too. I would love to hear uh, someone interview you after speaking with all these coaches, man. I think that would be really cool to, to have you, get, you know, flip, flip the switch there and have you answer the questions because you know, I've listened to your podcast for a while, and I know you've had some great coaches from all different levels, and It'd be cool for you to, to sum up some of the, the, the best things that you've learned. That'd be great. That, that We might have to employ drink all for that one. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That would be good. All right, Coach. Will you take care? All right. Thanks. We finished up today with a quick update from Texas High School Football Chat, good friend of the podcast, Chris Fisher, who's offensive line coach at Ridgepoint High School and runs the chat. Coach, good to be talking with you here even though this is kind of new territory for a lot of us. Oh, definitely. It's, I mean, right now it seems like any contact is, is just good contact. You know, it's good to talk to other people and just hear their voice. You know, just, it's, it's just fun how, much, how, how, may, how social contact makes a difference during this time. Yeah, it's, it's funny, Coach, and I think you can relate. Like, here in Ohio, we are you know, shelter at home now. A couple of weeks ago at USA Football, they they sent everybody home and everybody's been working remote. And, you know, you get on the phone and everything. But what's been neat is as people have used like teleconferencing and Zoom and stuff is, you know, I'd, I'd sit in a lot of those remote meetings and just hear voices. But now everybody's kind of face on camera too, just to get that connection. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like we're, uh, yeah, I've been home, uh, I guess now for two weeks, uh, you know, because of spring break. And then with our school shut down and you know our school district has been putting together how we're going to approach online learning and stuff for the rest of the time and so like today we're having our first science department meeting and uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that you know I'm going to doll myself up and make sure that I'm ready to go for it. <laughs> well what I wanted to do is, is you've always done such a great job with coaches being able to develop professionally, you know, a hundred, I don't know what we're at now, 160 characters at a time or whatever it is now, but in a, in a very short format. And I know it's taken off and been duplicated across 
different positions, different areas of football, but there's none better than the Texas high school football chat. So I wanted to share with coaches and just make them aware of some things you guys are continuing to do as we go through this period where we're shut down. Definitely. Yeah. We, I mean, it's really neat to see how much, how much activity is being shared online. And it was like almost immediately that it started happening. Um, People started staying home and, you know, so they're like, Oh, let's start, let's start doing more stuff online. You know, right now, as far as Texas high school football chat, we're still going on uh, every Wednesday, 8 PM central. And uh, you know, as far as, as far as the topics, you know, uh, this week, we're talking, we're doing a film session chat, which is one of my favorite chats to do. I have the coaches send me in uh, film clips and uh, try to get good teaching clips from them so that they can kind of explain how they would to their kids, you know, the good stuff and the bad stuff um, going on in the clip, you know, and according to their position. So that's always a, you know, a fun, interesting chat. Um <clears throat> been talking some different tempo and stuff recently as well um had access to sean leota and his book uh, no Hold, no mercy last week so that was a really good chat and uh upcoming you know probably you know dude you know mix it like you said mixing a little bit of everything some offense and culture you know i'll tell you what's really what i've been on my mind recently is like this is prime uh, prime coaching job searching time right now. So how is it? How is that still? How is that being affected? And how is how are people uh, doing that right now? So yeah, so that that's something that interests me too. Yeah, you know, and you know we'll just keep going as we go right now. Um, I really you know getting a lot of information from other people as far as what they're doing. For example, my sponsor Scott, one of my sponsors, Sky Coach, starting online clinics this week at noon. So, you know, excited to help them promote their uh, their series of helping coaches get better as well, and really just excited to help everybody uh, with their with whatever clinic that they're doing, their Zoom clinics, their their chats, whatever. So it's a it's a big time. Yeah, I know the basketball coaches have uh, theirs is like a virtual summit, and I know it's like at coachesclinic.com, I believe. And those guys got like 125 speakers, um, uh, an unbelievable amount of viewers. It's all free, uh, so I know they're they're looking at doing that too for football coaches. I believe that's coming up here this week, and that's that's going to be. I think another huge thing where free for coaches and the opportunity to just learn from coaches around the country and, and connect as well. Cause the best part about those, most of them are like live and have some question and answer. And I think it's, I think it's a unique opportunity. I think coaches are making the most of it, whether it's listening to podcasts like this or doing the virtual clinics or getting on and, and uh, doing Twitter chats. There's an incredible opportunity to learn right here i mean we're tip i think as coaches we get we get caught doing a lot of of what's traditional and so for us it was go to clinics right and you know your stuff is caught on i know this this podcast has but now i think some of this digital stuff whether it's small learning like yours or 
the, the clinics, the virtual clinics, I think is really going to catch on here as another way to professionally develop. And, and I would say this, that that's interesting. You brought up the job search. Uh, yeah, obviously no one is interviewing right now. Uh, those things are closed, but it's a good time to prepare. So as you're learning and thinking about this, this is a good time for you to go back and think about what is your philosophy? What are the things you're going to build your culture on? I will put, we had a really good conversation with Brian Kite on that. I'll, I'll put that in our our game plan, your next job series. We have a playlist on SoundCloud that had, you know, Chris Four, Bill Vasco. Uh, we had Dr. David Hoek from uh, NFHS. Um uh, I want to say Mike Kirshner, uh, Mark Solis was part of that, uh, Dan Hatman was part of that. I think we're up to nine or ten episodes now with uh, how do you uh, game plan for your next job. And, and a lot of that, you know this, Chris, is the preparation part. So as you have the time, you know, now's a good time to prepare, even if that opportunity doesn't come up till Right. after next season yeah definitely like you said i mean it's a good really good time to prepare i mean you know preparing and we're preparing for a lot of things you know a lot of us have you know like i'm also besides the chat you know preparing for my class stuff um you know trying to take advantage of the time do a little extra writing and like you said you know guys that are looking for jobs it's, it's a really great time to assess you know themselves what they what, how they're going to present everything i mean it's a yeah, it's a great time to just take advantage of those things that you've always said I need to do, and um, you know, just set aside that time and do it because it's not, you know you're not at the office all day right now, so you're not you know you have a little bit of extra time where you can do those things. And in real quick, Chris, for our guys who have never done a chat before, again they they might have some time right now. Best way for them to both view it but as well to as to getting involved in it i know there's there's some tips that make everything visible to everybody else and and uh get you interactive in those things so if you could quickly share those oh definitely yeah so the best way to view the chat is going through twitter and you can follow my account at txhsfb chat and then with the hashtag for the chat is the same it's hashtag txhs FB chat. And so really if you click on the hashtag and you can see every single uh, Texas high school football chat tweet that, you know, with the questions and then the answers. And if you, you know, a lot of people replied directly to the, to the question, but to make sure that everybody sees your answer and gets the, you know, gets the information you're trying to ch- uh, share is to include the hashtag in your tweet. So save, you know, what is it? I think it's like 11 or 12 characters. Save those characters uh, at the end to include the hashtag so that everybody gets to share it. Because another thing that I really like about the chat is um, after it's done, it's it's a, even though we do it every Wednesday, there's still opportunity to go back and learn from every chat because I, I go back over the weekend and I collect all the tweets from the chat and I put it into an a, uh, archive through this app called Wakelet, and I post it on my website, TexasHighSchoolFootballChat.com. Yep. And so you can go back and look at uh, all the questions and the answers in order and uh, continue to learn. So it's a, I think it, that's one of the neat things about uh, running the chat is just building up that, 
that archive of all the chats. Well, Chris, you know, I've always been a, a big fan of what you guys do. I know I did one years ago, and it's it's a lot of fun, um, both to participate in as uh, the, the presenter, the guy running it, as well as uh, just being in the audience and being able to share with coaches and learn. So really appreciate all you do, and uh, thanks for taking a, a few minutes here with us on the podcast. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me, Keith. It's always my pleasure to visit with you and to also just, you know, share and help with other coaches. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, Check it out, all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. (laughs) 